Edwin, you are popping all over the place. I think that microphone is extra sensitive. It's just super hot. Super, super hot. <laughs> super hot. Is that a game-related reference I just made? Seven days to play. Welcome to Seven Days to Play, your weekly mobile game review program. I am Sam. And I'm Edwin. Each week we challenge one another to play a new mobile game. And this week, we have a third person to play along with us. It is none other than friend of the pod, Drew Peterson. Welcome, Drew. Hello, thank you. Welcome. Famous on Is This the Show? Also famous on Seven Days to Play. In my world, you are most famous for selecting my most favorite mobile game of all time. Still challenged by the fact that I... (laughs) Sam thinks he suggested it, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure Drew suggested it. And that is, of course... SteamWorld Steam Heist. Heist. Yeah. yeah, it's debatable which one of you got to be first with that. <laughs> Have you played it, Drew? Have you yes. played SteamWorld Heist? Not, okay. not through to the end, though. Oh, yeah, I'm now on the elite level, and I can't get past level one. Yeah, It's wow. ridiculously hard. It's a good game. <laughs> so I'm clearly not elite. I've restarted it several times across different platforms, each time thinking I'm going to finally finish it. Yes. And then I don't. Because, <laughs> Sam, you're replaying it, right? You kind of picked I am it up. replaying it, yeah. On one of those weeks where I picked a terrible game that you hated, so you then went back to So what happened was I got pretty far in the game on one of my iPhone, and then my iPhone got stolen. I didn't know your iPhone got stolen. It got stolen. Remember, I had that whole video about the person who actually stole my iPhone. I've never heard this. this There's is, a video? What? Yeah. <laughs> I have a dashboard camera. <laughs> and it, and I filed a police report. Wait, I've never told you guys this story. I've never I have this not before. heard this story. All right, maybe for another time. Oh, you tease. <laughs> the game that was selected for the last seven days to play was Cinco Paus. And Drew has played along with us for the week. I did. You came prepared. Barely. So let me explain what Cinco Paus is like. Should I explain it in Portuguese or should I explain it in English? (laughs) That would equate the experience of playing the game. (laughs) Heads up, this game is completely in Portuguese, but the mechanics of the game is, I would say, it's an actual roguelike. What is this roguelike? Roguelike? (laughs) Which is how I read it the first time. (laughs) It is the first person from Greece that had discovered this type of gameplay. Ah, uh-huh, okay, this goes way back. <laughs> so, roguelike, you know, a roguelike is originated from, like, you know, the DOS-based game era, or even, like, Unix-based games, where oh. everything is represented through ASCII art. Your character is one character on the screen, and as you pace forward along, you can see, like, parts of the map. You can even see, like, things that are coming towards you, all represented in one character, um, what do you call them, like... One characters, right? Like, it could either be like a diamond that's coming towards you. Yeah, like a glyph. Yeah. Oh, it's a rogue glyph. High rogue glyph. Mm, that is it. Yeah, mm. sources are debated. <laughs> like, they debate if it came from Egypt or Greece. <laughs> Every time you start, it's, it, it randomizes things in ways that the experience is fresh. And most of the times, these games, you only have one life. Uh, and the point of it is to try and get as far as possible. But the things that help you along the way are randomized items that you might find. And so there's like a whole industry around games like this. Lots of games have come out that call themselves roguelike. But I would say this is actually pretty pure in terms of what a roguelike actually is. Yeah, there's one other aspect, I think, that's really important, which is permadeath. Yeah. When you die, you lose all progress. And so that is the point of it. It's like you try to make as best of your run as possible and try to go as far as possible the point of this game is to try and survive as long as possible by facing the creatures that appear you in the map and every space you move 
the monsters immediately move right after you one more space. So you have to try and time things out appropriately. It gives you five gold weapons. rings. Oh. Five wands. Yes, wands. <laughs> Not wands. Wands. <laughs> <laughs> and here's where like the language stuff comes in because none of the things are really explained to you. They're sort of slightly different squiggles, yeah. as far as I can tell. You have five weapons that are preset when the game starts, which also aren't the same for every run of the game, which I've realized later. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. And so the part of it is like you kind of have to discover what each one does, um, but you use them to defeat the creatures or to like move around and try to get as far as possible. How do you attack the creatures? So, <laughs> like, hey, Sam, can you explain this game to me? Yeah. <laughs> I've been playing it for seven days and I have no idea what you I'm doing. You actually played it for seven days. <laughs> I've been trying to play it for seven days. Because I think there's an assumed level of knowledge of the player if they know what a roguelike game is, then they're know, like, man. oh, okay. That's the part that was kind of unique to this game is that the attacking was not like any other roguelike. Yeah, and I would say that my. While, while I'm not an expert, my previous knowledge did not help me whatsoever in understanding <laughs> okay. how this game functioned or did Okay, it's not just me. Thing. Okay. If, you're, right. if your previous knowledge was expertise in Portuguese, that might have helped you. <laughs> did you guys like the game? I didn't understand the game. It made me question what I do or do not enjoy about games and why. So, uh, interesting. So yeah. in that sense, I liked it. But yeah, I did not really enjoy playing it. The game developer, whose name Sam is going to tell me right now, Michael Bro, has B R O U G H, not like as in what up, bro? bro. Yeah. yeah, okay, not uh, PBR and ping pong golf, ping beer pong. Does <laughs> <That's> it? Yes. <laughs> ping pong golf sounds like an amazing sport, though. That's that's going to be a, a game changer. Let's imagine how far that goes with a nine iron. <laughs> oh. Goes really fast initially and just yeah. stops. It just hits you back in the head because you got a good gust of wind. <laughs> he previously made Imbroglio, which I think we played. And how does that game work? Was that kind of a similar thing? I would say Imbroglio is actually very similar yeah. to this game, except you didn't have the different weapons. I, I only played it briefly, but I thought it was where you, when you attacked enemies, you picked up an aspect of them if you defeated them or something. Yeah. I can't remember. There was a bit of that going on. There was, but it was more like, I'd say the attacking is a little bit more straightforward in the Broglio. Each game he's made now has its own genre as well called a broguelike. <laughs> like, I, I didn't make that up. That's actually what people call them because they, they do have similarities, but yet are still unique. There was lots of really good elements in here that... I think as a game makes you really think about this is the type of stuff that I really enjoy about games, but there were too many hurdles for me to actually enjoy it. First of all, like I'm going to say it again, like the Portuguese was a huge barrier for me. I didn't think it would be, but there were elements that I really wanted to try and discover even just by like reading about it. And everything in this game is just strangely in Portuguese. Did you try and find someone who spoke Portuguese to translate for you? No, <laughs> I don't have those handy. <laughs> Strangely enough. Yeah, me either. I actually wasn't sure that the Portuguese was even that important, to be honest. I think the game itself is just a bit, it's purposefully indecipherable and really requires you to engage with it to understand it. If I may read from Michael Brogue's Brogue. Bro. He's not a shoe. 
Michael Bro. He, <laughs> I'll put a link to this in the show notes, but there are some dev notes for Cinco Pals. I've been interested for a while in making a game in an invented language, but just using an existing one that's not English still invokes the kind of textual quality I was aiming for. Less so for those people who speak it. It is the sixth biggest language in the world, lest we forget. But for them, perhaps there will be the all-your-base kind of badly translated flavor. Mm. Um, so yeah that's kind of an interesting idea like it's not a made up language but it was sort of a deliberate decision to have this sort of oh I can kind of somehow decipher a little bit what this is the sense of empathy I had for people who try to interact with English as a primary language artifacts such as games that are only in English and when it's not their first language I feel like I realized that or experienced that yeah, Uh, and that this game was very successful in doing that when I first said the Portuguese was one of the hurdles I meant like it was I I honestly felt like it was by design and I appreciated it but there were almost too many hurdles for me to completely enjoy this game I think if I actually took my time and like you know brought out a sheet of paper and said okay like this wand is the one that kind of does this and then kind of like wrote down the symbols and like take that. I think I would have enjoyed that more. It's just on a platform like a mobile game, you rarely have the allowance to really do that. And I feel maybe this isn't the right platform to do that. Were the wands actually reproducible or just completely random each time? I wasn't sure because I would use a wand that, for example, would cause the portal or the exit portal to appear directly adjacent to it or directly opposite to it. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, it's going to do it again this time. And then it just wouldn't. Mm. Or it would fizzle out if it had uh, bounced around in the previous time I used it. It felt very random, even if there was a system to it. Yeah. This is where I'm kind of superficial and like presentation kind of matters. I do appreciate the style that Michael Bruff uses and like a lot of his games but here i felt like that was an additional hurdle um i kind of didn't like the fact that they he kind of used like the joker man font to oh yeah <laughs> write cinco pas and it says cinco pas throughout everything it's like it's always there the icons the wands i think could have been placed in a better position for you to actually access them and there isn't really a way for you to look at at the wand that you've just used to look at the symbols closely. Cause the symbols are actually very small. And I felt like these were like just a, another way that it kept building hurdles for me to completely enjoy this game. Cinco Pals means $5 in Portuguese. It does. Which is what I learned. I also learned that by looking it up on Reddit or something, <laughs> yeah. trying to understand, uh, or other reviews trying to understand how this game actually works. Funny that the game is four ninety nine. dollars uh-huh. Yeah, but that doesn't translate in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> what would that actually translate to? I don't know. <laughs> if only we knew Portuguese, this yes. experience would be completely different. <laughs> Shall we get to the three by threes? I don't have any. <laughs> I was baffled by this game. Also, I have been moving apartments. I'm moving to a new apartment this week. No excuses, Edwin. So <laughs> it's been tough for me to find playing time or understanding time. I might actually <laughs> predict the amount of days that you've played this game for. Yes, you might be able to. <laughs> Drew, do you have a good point? Unlike a lot of games today, it asks a lot of the player. And that can really create a sense of endearment towards the game. You've put in a lot of effort and you get a lot out. I definitely felt that. So would you say that's a good point? I think it's a good point, but it, it also is a bad point for me because I didn't know what I was getting out of it. Mm. There wasn't really a story. There wasn't really any sort of push for me to continue through the levels, aside from picking apart what, what might be considered a puzzle box of yeah. this game. 
And for me personally, that's not really enough to, to play. One of the things that I put down as my good point is that it has really crunchy gameplay. Like you can really dig into it. And if you want to pull out that pad and actually look into exactly what does, like it gives you that opportunity. I don't think a lot of games these days actually has that capability where you're like, okay, this is going to do this. Like I'm going to learn it. And the more that you learn it, the more that you enjoy it. And so that was one of the things that I really appreciated about this game. Um, another thing that I liked was that because of that crunchy nature, like you can actually build some solid strategies around how things are moving, being able to predict the movement of the bad guys and like counting down how many hit points you have and how many hit points the bad guy has. And once you get to know the wands a little bit, you get a sense of like which ones to use. And that's the kind of strategic elements that I really appreciate in games. Which was your favorite wand? The one that looks like alien fingers <laughs> braided yeah. together. That was a good one. Yeah. I don't know what it did, it just, <laughs> but it usually was useful to me. Yeah. It, it made, it usually went through a bad guy and like killed them and yes. like hit the one behind it. I also really liked the one that would spawn, um, vines or thorns, like thorny vines behind it. And then if enemies ran into the vines, they would die due to their normal movement patterns. I feel like this is going to be PBKP all over again, that now you've <laughs> explained the game to me, uh, we'll go back and play it next week and go, oh, yeah, this is kind of good. One of the last like good points for me is it did feel like an actual roguelike. A lot of games tout that these days and don't actually deliver. And I feel this one was, it has the mystery, it has, you know the crazy made-up language that no one uses. <laughs> and, oh, that's just offensive. <laughs> I'm saying that as a, a play to the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the, the weapons that you have to discover, and it sort of just like puts you right there. Um, a really common, a really popular term that's overused these days, it's like this is the, this is the demon souls of this. Oh, yeah. Oh, this dark is the Skull. Dark Souls, yeah. yeah. This is the Dark Souls version of this game. I have never heard that before. You will not be surprised to hear. It is oh, an extremely good. difficult game, yeah. It's an extremely difficult game where you have to, like, sort of increment your way through to really appreciate it. This was um, a good representation of that. It does have one interesting differentiation, though, in that the progression that you typically encounter via roguelikes, such as getting more gear or getting more abilities... And this game is uh, replaced with knowledge of the player. So it's, it's really a different, a different take on roguelikes. It does, you know, fits, but That's it's very different. Yeah. I'm going to put you both on the spot and ask, is there another roguelike game you would suggest? Like if someone's interest in roguelikes has been tickled by this, what game would you suggest they play next? Downwell is a pretty yeah. good roguelike. Yeah, I would go for that. It's action, but does it take two hands? It does take two hands. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's a definition? No, no, no. I just remember just considering when you usually play. But, oh, I was like, oh, you guys, yeah. thank you. But thankfully, it. it's two hands on portrait mode. On to the bad points. If you don't have previous history and knowing what a roguelicky is, I know Drew, you were saying, like, it doesn't actually help, but just to still to get the basic concept of, oh, there's monsters moving around that I have to attack and these are weapons I can use. That wasn't super obvious to me at all <laughs> to begin with. Like, I was thrown into this thing. Like I literally have no idea. Like I wasn't even sure which character I was. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, it's assume knowledge that you know, or at least are vaguely aware of the sort of mechanics of a Roguliki. Mm. I'll stop saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so fun. <laughs> yeah. 
in general, I'd say it's too random for my tastes, but I also find that of most roguelikes. And one other thing, the introductory experience of it was extremely frustrating personally, because you're presented with lots of text that you can't understand, but it's implied that you're meant to, and you don't really know if it's going to be important or not. And so rather than being this exciting thing that you get to experience and learn and, and pick apart, you're immediately presented with something that you can't hope to understand. And, and that was a bit putting off for me as a first experience. I did appreciate the fact that it tried to use another language, but it was, it was ultimately too much of a hurdle for me. Mm-hmm. And I think all of my bad points kind of revolve around this. Like it added to the difficulty of the UX and it also added to me feeling like there was actual satisfaction uh, from completing uh, a level or even getting to a point where I die. Like it tells you the score and everything, but because it was sort of in a language that I didn't understand, the reward and the satisfaction kind of became irrelevant. I fully agree with that. I didn't know what the purpose of the points were. Right. Oh wait, there are points? <laughs> <laughs> it tells you like some a little score or something like how far you reach and how many people mm-hmm. you've killed. Yeah. And so I didn't know if that was a good thing or I, I didn't know if that was a yeah, bad that thing. Be low, yeah. high. Yeah, is this golf or not? <laughs> That's Edwin's first question. <laughs> is this golf or not? <laughs> what is your seven days to play rating? Drew. Two. One. Three. Oh. Yeah. I really wanted to like this, but ultimately too many factors. I think there's still so many interesting things that I hope other games will take from it. I'm very glad it exists. I'm very glad I experienced it. I will try playing it for another week. We might do 14 days to play because <laughs> this for the next seven days I might have a bit more time to do things. And now that you've explained it a little bit more and I've got some more context around it, we'll give it a go. So my one is not really representative. There are, you know, <laughs> external factors playing into that score, but it was a one for me. Have you selected a game for us to play? You have seven days to play Way Out by Dropout Games. Is this in conjunction with the movie Get Out? No, great no, movie. Oh. no. <laughs> Damn, such a great movie. And it's on Netflix now, I believe. Or oh, it's on one of the platforms that makes it easy to watch games. Games? You can watch games? On you can watch movies. <laughs> Shush. Movies on the platform. Shush. Games. I've, I've been moving boxes all, all week and I'm tired. This looks like, what's that game that we just, where the astronauts are running? Oh no. Causality. <laughs> you know... I listen to you guys talk about these games and then don't play them myself. I have no idea what most of these games actually look like. <laughs> we put a link to the YouTube playthroughs in the show notes as well. Who has time for that? <laughs> the episode artwork perhaps should be a... The screenshot of the game. Yeah. That's the next level. Yeah. That's the next level. For right. the show right yeah. there. I will read you the description from the App Store. Is it in Portuguese? Thankfully, no. Not this time. Switch on? Question mark. Switch off? Question mark. Can you figure out the right combination for each level? Question mark. Team behind Bliss, Neo Angle, Unwind comes back with their new puzzler. Turn off the grid by pushing all the buttons in the right order and find a way out <laughs> of this puzzle. It is not as easy as it sounds. Full stop. Winky smiley face. Way Out is on the challenging side as compared to our previous games. Should you be familiar with their previous work? Casual puzzle fans, hello, will have to scratch their heads every now and then. As for hardcore puzzle fans, this one's a definite treat. 
I was extremely confused. I was just looking at a totally different <laughs> game called Way A Way Out, and it was like this oh. extremely immersive 3D thing. I was like, "Wow, this is cinematic!" <laughs> wow, Edwin chose uh, a game outside of his normal genre, but no, still on the puzzle game wagon. All right, it's very cool. colorful. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I hope I'm not one of those people that needs to scratch their heads every now and then. So we have called Drew in here for a purpose. We have been listening to a show called The Polybius Conspiracy. Which was a thing of the week. Um, I picked it two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and then Drew made the mistake of texting me about it, and then that's why I made him come on the show. And I regret it ever since. (laughs) I haven't finished The Polybius Conspiracy. I am on episode four. Oh, interesting. Yes, of seven, correct? Yes, something like that. Yeah, because when I spoke to you a few days ago, you had listened to one episode and then stopped. But then you told me something about it, and then it made me reconsider. What did we tell you, Sam? You told me that this was fiction. It's totally fake. They've wrapped fictional characters around a real urban myth. If you can have a real urban myth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can someone give a brief synopsis of what the what the Polybius conspiracy is about? If you don't want to be spoiled, go listen to the seven episodes of the Polybius conspiracy uh, right now and then come back. So the main protagonist in this story is a man called Bobby who claims that in 1981 he played a computer game in a arcade in Portland, Oregon. And because of that, he was abducted into the woods he kind of blacked out, woke up in the middle of the woods, and then was rescued by some people, and... He, would, he was rescued in some way. He, he made his way out. Yep. It's a, little, it's a little unclear how he actually got home, but... And so he's been trying to tell people about his story for a while. So, that, so really all that happens is he blacks out and then wakes up in the woods and then gets out of the woods. Okay. Okay. And the show and the show is about essentially documenting this guy um and trying to uncover what might be truth and what might not be truth. And along the way they meet lots of different characters, they dig into Bobby's backstory and ultimately come to a no conclusion. Mm, I see. <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those podcasts. Um so how does this relate to like the original conspiracy? Because I've, I've heard about Polybius before. I had not. I mean, why don't you tell us what you think of it? Because you had heard of it. All I heard was that at one point there was just this game that caused people to kind of freak out. I think on the PlayStation platform, they actually published a game called Polybius. Did they really? Yeah. <laughs> is it a VR game? It is a VR, VR game, yeah. <laughs> So I listened to the first episode, thinking that this was completely real and they're like documenting someone. Yeah, I did too. And I really didn't appreciate how the interviewers were was talking to Bobby. In what way? In like a way where a not a professional interviewer would talk to about. I absolutely about. agree. Yeah. It felt very amateur. It felt super amateur. And I was like, these guys have no idea what f they're doing yep even the audio production felt amateur in some ways to me and so i was like screw this i'm not going to listen to another show exploiting someone just for the benefit of entertainment and so i stopped and i was going to have words with edwin (laughs) (laughs) a new hit mobile game words with edwin and then that's when edwin told me calm yourself sam this is all fiction i was like what what and kind of liked it so, hmm. 
now in the process of listening to it. And you, and after you found out that it was fiction, that excited you more? It did because then it made me consider, let's just hear it for the story. Because the main thing that I didn't appreciate it was them being exploitive of this person's experience. Because you even you called out one line, which was, "Do you feel like you have blood on your hands?" Yeah, they asked this guy. Well, they asked they, they ask yeah. Bobby that. Yeah, wow, that's like you heard Bobby become like distraught and getting really defensive. And if you're a professional interviewer, like these are things that you don't want to do to like an interviewee. This is a very well made show. I think I, I said to you, Sam, if this was made by the people who did Rabbits, which is another <laughs> fiction show we talked about on, is this the show? Uh, straight away, the acting is so terrible. Mm. If it was made by the same people, I would have yeah. gone, oh yeah, this is made up. But the actors they got uh, did such a great job. Yeah. You, because I was probably on the th- fourth or fifth episode when Drew sent me the link going, oh yeah, this oh, is fake. Oh, I spoiled it. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm so, I thought you would be done by then because you, you, I guess, have this delay. Yeah. <laughs> so the way that they get offended just seems so legit. Like, if you're going to get offended, like, you kind of have to set up a premise of, hey, like, this is the front that I'm going to be putting, and then I have to try and cover this front and get exposed of that front and then be offended. It's like, those kind of things are, like, really hard to plan out, and I was really impressed by, by some of the acting. Yeah, it was very impressive. Um, there were very few times that I could actually see through the, um, the illusion of those times the primary one was just in some of the plot turns that happen where it becomes, especially towards the end, just a little too predict, uh, too coincidental yeah. or too yeah. unlikely. Um, and they just completely start upending what you expect, which is great storytelling, but unbelievable when it comes to a kind of criminal investigation or like a mm. documentary investigation. We are used to listening to things like Serial where there are just so many loose ends. They don't have, oh, found footage on a mobile phone they just stumbled into and got to play you. Mm. Exactly. They, said they have to just conject on what was right. on that phone and spend some time talking about it, but instead we have it. Right. Mm. And that's a lot of fun to listen to, but it begs the believability. If I had known it was fiction, I don't think I would have listened to it. So I think it's interesting they didn't pitch it as this is fiction or this is fact. That's my primary question when I when considering this thing is should it have been pitched as fiction or not? Because you can view it as deceitful to to not pitch it as that, mm, yeah. especially in the, in today's world where we have a lot of swirling news and potentially unreal accusations. And we also have things like serial which just kind of plows through an investigation but doesn't come to any conclusions there was some brouhaha about this uh, back in november when it concluded uh, some people wrote reviews on this thinking that it was fact because i mean why wouldn't you think this was uh, non-fiction uh, and in fact they uh, julie shapiro went on to publish a quick blog post on Medium, of course, because that's where things happen now. <laughs> and let me just read you a little bit here. Uh, as a network, we value the overall ideas and cultural c- critique built into the series. We do apologize to listeners who were disappointed to, to discover that the story isn't completely true and felt we intentionally misled them by not stating outright from the beginning that this story was a blend of fact and fiction. Uh, Radiotopia has always championed innovation in storytelling, and while the network includes many non-fiction podcasts, we also count several shows that work entirely or partially with fiction amongst our ranks. Uh, Our podcasts entertain, inform, and invite, 
listeners to think critically about the world around them. Did you enjoy the show? Oh, overall, yes. I, I was extremely engaged. I plowed through it in about two days um, on my commutes, which is kind of when I listen to things. Um, I couldn't wait to listen to the next episode, actually. Mm. But that was because I thought it was mostly true. And I was like, I can't believe they're actually <laughs> finding <laughs> right. evidence in some way or even just a supposition of of, of, of a conspiracy here. And I, once I found out that it was not true, I my opinion of it drastically changed. Mm, from like better to worse? Yes. Oh. Because then I started judging it as a work of fiction. I see. And in that sense, mm. it also falls apart. Interesting. I almost have the opposite effect. Like, um, my thought of it increased when I found out that it was fiction. But also, I'm not, I'm not completely finished with it either. So yeah, I'm going to be looking at it sort of like an opposite lens from you. Edwin, did you like the show? I quite like the show. It's very well made. The music is great. It has that person who does that show doing the music. Song Exploder. Thank oh, you. Yeah. yeah. Very Hello Meteor, I would say. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no one would be surprised to know that I quite like that music. Well made, entertaining story. The I sort of lost a little bit of the plot in the sort of third, second or third episode where there's like lots of characters in- introduced and where they kind of stray away from the actual Polybius conspiracy itself and suddenly we're now into like this personal life of Bobby and all these characters. I'm like, oh wait, who's that again? And that's maybe thinking about it like, oh, now that at that point, perhaps there was like still some, something in my subconscious was like, oh, we're kind of not really talking about this computer game anymore. It's now like a soap opera. I thought that was actually, uh, I was like, oh, I see what they did here. I see this hook. They got me in here because they mentioned a, a weird computer game conspiracy, but it's going to be about people now. And we're going to see these people. And, and that just kept the believability going for me. Would you suggest people go and listen to it? Yeah. It forces you to question our expectations of audio and production and, and what a story is, especially in this medium. I think it's good storytelling and a format that Americans are not completely aware of. Like I feel like radio shows are super popular in like Europe and the UK. Mm. Yeah, especially in the UK there's a sort of rich a rich tradition <laughs> of radio drama, which is why I do this voice. <laughs> and I'm David Attenborough too. <laughs> <laughs> there's the Archers, which is a like a radio soap opera that airs twice a day. Still happening. Twice uh, a day. Yeah. You get your two o'clock and you get your seven o'clock. Wow. So, yeah. Tea time and dinner time. That's yeah. It. yeah. Yep. All the times. <laughs> <laughs> the only times that exist. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go, things of the week. I will go first. I have a productivity hack. Do not move to a new apartment and then record a podcast the day afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> in the case that you're ever in a position to do that. It's very actionable. Do not. Actionable. <laughs> do not. Yeah. Drew, thing of the week. It's a game that was released recently called The Iconoclasts. Mm. It's on most of the major platforms. Is it on my gaming platform of choice? It is not on mobile (laughs) yet. It is made by one, effectively one man. Joachim Sandberg. And he spent about seven years making this game, if not a little longer. And when I think about making something for seven years, that, that boggles my mind. That's longer than I've been in my current job. And I've worked on... 10 different things in that time. (laughs) I believe that he's worked on this full-time, correct? Full-time, I think, yeah. That's crazy. But if you see the quality of the game, it's pretty amazing. It has incredible pixel art and incredible pixel animations where they're practically hand-drawn 
uh, frame by frame pixel animations. Um, and on top of that, the gameplay is amazing and the characters seem pretty well rounded too. Disclaimer, I'm only a few hours into it. So I, these are not my final judgments by any means, but I'm enjoying it and um, I think it's worth playing. Oh, Drew, I do have a follow-up question. Well, it's a follow-up question from our real world conversations. Have you found an alternative to Instapaper? I, I have, actually. So for a long time, I used Instapaper, um, and then I would fall off. Then I would come and use it again and fall off, and then I would use the Kindle version of it and then fall off, and I was always behind. Why would you fall off? It's a great question, um, mostly due to habits and things. Uh, right. A lot of times when I'm reading, I would add something to a list and then either never come back to it or... Uh, something else would take my interest, such as playing a game on the train or something. And, uh, it was always another thing to do. Right. Some, some fools make you play a game in Portuguese and suddenly you're way behind on your Insta paper lists. Yeah. And you just, <laughs> you just never read a single word ever again because you realize that the truth is only in Portuguese. <laughs> so what is your replacement for Insta paper? It's called Pinboard, and I'm still frankly evaluating it. It's kind of nice because you you pay for it so you know you're supporting the effectively one developer behind it who provides the service it's kind of a delicious clone from oh. way back in the day <laughs> it's like hmm, hmm, that sounds tasty what's... i'm so hungry right now <laughs> i could definitely go for a delicious clone yeah i, I it, the nice thing about it is that it has like a a built-in um read like mark is unread functionality mm. which is very different from instapaper which is all based on articles Whereas Pinboard is more based on like links from anywhere, which is actually what most of my inputs are. Sometimes they're articles, sometimes there's games, sometimes there's locations that I want to go to or like a show opening or something. And all those things I can put in there and tag them with like to do. Gotcha. Or like, you know, to visit, to uh, play. That's cool. Something yeah. like that. So that's nice. I realized I do have a thing of the week really quick. I started playing a game called Monster Hunter World. Oh. <laughs> and if anything, you should just watch these cats cook food in the game because by far the most delicious looking in-game food I've ever seen in my life. Wow. <laughs> I've watched a couple of YouTube streams of Monster Hunter colon world and oh, I just want to preserve these beautiful majestic creatures. I don't want to hunt them. Yeah, I do feel sad whenever I kill a beast and I always no, I don't you know, it. pour one out whenever I kill one. <laughs> of its own blood? Yeah. From its own skull that you just drank <laughs> and made a helmet out of. I, a <laughs> I want to play it, but I don't know if I have the time investment. Yeah, it is, it is sort of a time sink and a time warp. When you start playing it, you get into these like hunts where there's three of you running around trying to kill this big beast, and then you realize it's like two in the morning. Speaking of late night gaming, you did get your first chicken dinner in PUBG. I did. Yes. <laughs> so Congratulations. happy. So happy. It is quite the rush. And I was there to witness it as <laughs> yeah. well. So, For anyone that doesn't know what a chicken dinner is, can one of you please enlighten the crowd in player unknown battleground you are it's a battle royale style game there's hundred of you you play and if your team is the last one that survives you win this you win the game and whenever it wins it says winner winner chicken dinner and i've received one but i did die right before it happened (laughs) (laughs) but my team still won okay (laughs) congratulations thank you for the next seven days, we will be playing Way Out. Play along with us at home. If you have any game suggestions, tweet us at 7 Days to Play. Follow us on Instagram at 7 Days to Play. And you can follow Drew on Twitter at Kirby Says Hi. Please say hi. Hello. And don't email us. 7 Days to Play. 7 Days to Play.